Hello, it's Margot Kessler here. And I was at Karen Phelps' election party on October 20, and I'll never forget a tweet coming out from Louise Hislop from Voices Baringa saying, you think your side of the harbour's doing great, just wait to see what we do in Baringa. Well, we've waited. Um, there's been many grassroots groups pop up and they somehow got together and chose Zali Stegall to be the standard bearer to, um, to, for Time's Up, Tony. So, Zali, hi. Could you take us through the process of how you were chosen and why you said yes? Um, well, actually, I wasn't actually chosen. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, the, uh, look, the process, a lot of groups had been rising up around Moringa and were looking for from Voices of Warringah, which was really looking at what are the issues that matters. And then you had environmental stewards, the North Shore environmental stewards were looking at sort of uh, sort of more political representation. You had Think Twice, uh, you had uh, Good for Manly. So a lot of different organisations. Me, it was, I, through a friend, I became aware of Vote Tony Out. And I must say, I ordered uh, a few T-shirts for myself and for my husband and as presents for my parents for Christmas. Um, and that was, it was through reading the, the Instagram posts of all the reasons why people were supporting Vote Tony Out that I really found that that resonated with me. It, it was all uh, things that I had been feeling for many years, which is probably why I hadn't supported Tony Abbott in the first place. Um, and I felt that we needed, we needed a choice. And having looked at what was sort of being said in the media as to who the potential independent candidates were going to be in the electorate, I felt that we needed, I needed to offer a different alternative. I needed to give people in Moringa a choice of someone who was truly local. You know, I've lived here all my life. I'm born here. I've represented Warringa in my sporting career. I've worked for local individuals and businesses in my legal career. And so I felt that I, it was a you know, I had to give that option to, to Oringa. Okay, so yesterday was your birthday. It was the day you hit 1,000 volunteers and it was the day that a very nasty personal hit job hit page one of the Daily Telegraph. So can I just ask, how was your birthday this year? I had a great birthday. <laughs> Look, the most important thing is about about a birthday is I had uh, my wonderful husband and my parents and my kids mm -hmm. and we all went out for lunch um, and we had a lovely time. Uh, look, and, and overwhelmingly what I felt was the amount of support. We reached a thousand volunteers uh, and uh, for me that they're the, I only focus really on the positives. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea because that leads to my next question. There's been a lot of dirty campaigning already, um, even this far out from the election. And the way it appears to me from the outside is that Tony's keeping his hands clean and the dirt's being dished by his um, support group, Advance Australia. They've had buses with lies in them um, around the traps. But also they've had Captain Getup actually sort of rubbing himself up against a picture of you, a poster. I had a reader actually that asked, has Captain Get Up apologised to you yet? But more generally, were you expecting it to be this dirty? And how are you coping? Uh, look, <laughs> I've got very thick skin, so I'm coping fine. Yes, look, unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm not at all surprised. It's exactly what I expected. 
elected. Um, it's what the electorate's really tired of, though, so I think it's very counterproductive for them uh, in that overwhelmingly when I'm out and about, people say they're really tired of those tactics and the dirty tactics, the personal attacks. They want someone focused on the issues and focused on the area. So overwhelmingly, I think it's very counterproductive. Now, you know, yes, it's, it's the attack dog is Advanced Australia, but the reality is... Uh, Mr Abbott has been out there lying himself. Uh, look, I, I have a number of people that have uh, experienced him door knocking uh, and doing phone calls. And at all times, he openly says, you know, he, he spreads lies about my position in terms of supporting the tunnel uh, or that I will be, uh, or, or he lies that I'm going to be supporting the franking credit and investment tax changes when I've clearly from the very start indicated that I oppose those and I support the tunnel. I simply want to be focused on minimising environmental impact and min minimising health impact on local communities, which I would argue is probably the appropriate um, stance to take. Um, so, look, he, he is known for those tactics, there's no doubt about it. That doesn't mean I, I'm not interested in those tactics. So uh, I have a pretty thick skin. We, I've, I've experienced that in sport before. I think, I've, you know, the, the law and the bar is a fairly adversarial uh, environment, so it's not new to me. Um, so it's, you know, I, I think it's extremely disrespectful and inappropriate. Um, and it speaks a lot for the type of person you are and the type of leadership maybe you inspire. Uh, and I think that's been the most interesting part about the last sort of the, the tactics and what's gone on is he actually doesn't, I believe he doesn't think there's anything wrong with them because he doesn't call them out. He's happy for that to be, for his supporters to, to conduct themselves that way. So how, how do you counter the lies? What's, what's your approach? Oh, well, we, we focus on the truth and we focus on our policies. Uh, we are, have a huge amount of grassroots work. I mean, something like a thousand volunteers, it's very visible in the electorate. So we're not relying on just advertising, we're relying on people power. So we have, uh, we have a huge amount of people out in turquoise t-shirts uh, telling the truth, telling the, the truth in relation to my position. Uh, yes, we have to be strategic and counter some of the negative advertising, but overwhelmingly the, the response I've had from people is how happy they are and how refreshing it is to have a positive campaign to focus on. So can I clear up something that I, I believe is a lie, but you can clear it up for me. Um, Abbott and Advance Australia claim that GetUp is funding you, is, is donating to you. Is that correct? No, it's a complete lie. Yeah, uh, so. I've denied it numerous times. They don't support us financially. GetUp itself has gone out and done interviews to point out that they don't fund individual um, uh, candidate campaigns. Um, they don't support me, they, they highlight issues. So they are out canvassing on issues and the primary issue for them is climate change. And they chose to come to Warringah because Mr Abbott's a climate change denier. So it has nothing to do with my campaign. Um, look, the reality is uh, there are a number of organisations out there working at um, raising awareness for issues. I mean, think the Wilderness Society or Stop Adani. Um, you know, there are any number they are picking on Get Up because they're of a certain size. Um, but there are a number of organisations out there raising awareness. What I've found amazing, though, is 
So some of the media have said, oh, well, you know, Zoe hasn't been facing any real tough questions. It's like, well, okay, when does a Tony Abbott and uh, Advance Australia actually have to produce any evidence to support their claims? I mean, this constant idea that I am supported or funded by, by Getter is based on absolutely zero evidence. Uh, I know GetUp have done, you know, they do their door knocking and when they rate, go through sort of their list of questions with people and they talk about issues, they then encourage people to think about independent candidates if that's what aligns with the issues. But it's just, uh, I, I am amazed at how little evidence they need to, well, they, they don't seem to ever be required to actually provide any evidence of their allegations. Uh, just on that point, I mean, I guess I would argue that the Murdoch media is a is a supporter of Tony Abbott. You seem to be getting extraordinary, extraordinarily bad press, as as Karen did in Wentworth. Do you see that as a problem or or a badge of honour in in your seat? <laughs> well, the the nastier the press, the more you know you're doing well, uh, because clearly it's a problem that they're trying to counter. So I wasn't surprised at the stories that came out uh, yesterday uh, trying to sort of attack me because they were trying to distract from the real problem uh, Mr Abbott uh, had in relation to the Captain Get Up antics so, and their lack of calling that out. So... Um, Again, uh, I think, yes, it really highlights the concern, though, and I think we need to be more serious about that. The concern of the role of an independent press, uh, we pride ourselves on being a, a strong democracy, uh, but democracy only works if there's freedom of press and freedom of information. So if you have a huge proportion of our press that is really directed to only portray one view, you're getting very close to propaganda. Uh, and we've all seen in modern history the impact that propaganda has on people's power to choose and perception of issues. So it does get you back to issues like uh, the ABC and SBS, you know, the strength of having uh, or the importance of having a strong independent broadcaster um, and, and really maintaining independence of the press and, and a standard that has to be applied. Uh, I mean, and journalists have, you know, certain, certain protections and immunity, but they need to respect that position by applying a standard to their work. Okay, so um, I asked Twitter... Um, to ask you some questions. So I'd like, I'd like to start off with a couple from constituents. Um, one tweet said that um, Abbott was not accessible while in office and is wondering what steps you would plan to take if elected to ensure that you're, you're accessible to the community and its views. Yeah, look, as a local resident, I'm very aware of that. Uh, it's not uncommon that people give me the feedback that uh, for the last sort of 25 years, if anyone had a question, they were lucky if they got a response within 12 months and they certainly didn't get a meeting. Um, and no one, everyone has been amazed at how active he has been locally in the last three months. <laughs> no one's seen so much of him in 25 years. Um, look, I think that's a really important issue. And for me, my primary focus is local. Uh, it's about making a difference locally. Um, we need to have offices that are accessible. Um, and so it's not a question of being on the second floor in Manly and having a locked door. It's about having somewhere people can come and physically meet with you and talk through the issues. Um, I'm very keen to establish uh, community forums on a regular basis throughout the year so people have that opportunity to come and talk with me and discuss the issues and concerns. It is also about working well with all levels of 
of government. So we need to have a good relationship with state MPs and local local councils because at the end of the day, the local councils are at, on the, you know, they are at the coal phase. Yeah, I say that figuratively. <laughs> but they are at the front of dealing with the local issues and they need the right level of support. Okay, the, the second question was um, whether you have ideas for reducing the amount of traffic such as bicycle paths, more public transport, there, there does seem to be a bit of a, a log jam on, on the North Shore and the Northern Beaches, doesn't there? Yeah, look, what's happened is at, because it's been a safe Liberal seat for so long, it's had no love. Uh, uh, whether it's been state Liberal or Labor governments, they've not invested in infrastructure in this area and no, no, certainly no investment when it's come to uh, uh, transport and developing. So recently we've had the B-Line, which has been really successful, but we need more in terms of investment for public transport. Uh, we do need the tunnel. We finally have a state government committed to the tunnel um, and to investing in infrastructure. That's fantastic. Uh, we do need to make sure that it's done right, though, and, and with proper, proper focus on the concerns of the local residents. Um, I'm more for more bike paths. I'm more for all the ways in which we can take more cars off the road. The biggest concern with the tunnel is by creating a more road, do you create, you know, more cars to go on it? And no, that we have to move away from that. We need to create ways to get cars off the road. So public transport, bike lines, facilitating more flexibility in the workplace. So it's not always about commuting to work, that there's more options, but also encouraging local business that so people, rather than commuting away to places to work, be, have more opportunities to work locally. There were a lot of questions around honest politics and people are asking for your position on campaign finance reform, truth in advertising reform, and whether you would support a, a strong federal ICAC along the lines of Cathy McGowan's bill. So where do you stand on those government accountability and governance questions? Very much in support. So one of the first detailed policy I did put out, and I would very much take and champion uh, in Parliament in Canberra, is uh, honesty in politics and raising, putting some integrity back into the process. Um, there needs to be accountability across a number of areas. It needs to be with a national anti-corruption commission. Uh, we definitely need that. There's no doubt uh, that's desperately needed. But we also need truth in political advertising. Uh, I'm amazed that, um, our ultimate sort of expression of democracy is when we vote and we have no standards at all. So people can be completely misled. In business and commerce, we have legislation and laws that protect against misleading and deceptive conduct. And, and, and we are holding our, uh, we hold our businesses and services to an account that politicians and parties are not held to the same standard. I think that's absolutely unacceptable. So we do need um, truth in political advertising. We need a, a, a standard of um, well, a, a fact-checking process in Parliament so that when allegations are made and st stats are provided in question time or in Parliament, they do need, there should be a record uh, of whether they are correct or not. So that before they go on the Hansard record and sort of take on a, a stature of truth, that there's actually a checking process. Um, I think, for example, we need to introduce um, a fixed term of government, which would take out some of the politicking around when elections are called and actually get government focused on governing rather than playing games. Um, look, live reporting of donations, it's a difficult one. I support it because as an independent, we're very much, uh, we're on the back foot compared to main 
political parties. But I am also conscious that uh, with the dirty tactics that go on, I've had a number of businesses, when they've come out publicly supporting me and supporting the campaign, they've then been attacked and their, their commercial and, and client base has been targeted. So as much as I support transparency of political donating there also has to be protection measures because it's very hard to get the support you can only get support locally it's not like you can pull on a whole you know nationwide sort of donation platform that that, that main parties have so if it's not going to be via a sort of donating platforms or have maximum amounts for donations then you have to look at uh, it has to be funded by government. You, you will need to fund campaigns so that it's an even playing field uh, because if not, you, it creates real difficulties for independents and smaller parties to be competitive with the major parties. Um, a lot of question on, questions on your position on, on franking credits. So I'd like to ask, are you completely opposed to ending tax refunds to people who pay no tax or would you like to see a cap on the amount of um, tax refunds you could get. And the more broad question is, if we can't claw back that ever-growing revenue, how are we going to, in, how would you propose we pay for, for services? Yeah, well, I think that there's a bit of misinformation going on there. Okay. Uh, first, uh, the, the reality is it's a very sudden change that you're proposing that would be imposed on people within a year, basically. The, the proposals are to be invited, effective by 2020. So you're not giving people any opportunity to adjust their strategy. And they've relied upon both coalition and Labor government in making their current investment strategies. So, uh, I don't, and we are talking about people who have, when it comes to impacting individuals, and I guess that's where the capped aspect comes. I, don't, I oppose the current proposals because I don't think they are properly, properly address the issues they're going to create. Yes, they will yep. have some income initially, but the reality is the market will adjust and people will change their uh, investment strategies and because it will change their investment strategies, uh, once that, that aspect is no longer available and it changes your consideration. So I think the fact that there isn't on the table grandfathering provisions and also a more uh, a projected sort of in the future aspect of commencing legislation. So something, for example, if it commenced in five years, so people actually have that opportunity to meet meet the change circumstances rather than putting it on them immediately. Now, I appreciate the argument about the money that it's clearly grown and the amount that's required to pay for services, but that's on the projection or the assumption that that clawback amount is every year going to be of the same amount. I would argue that it won't be because people would change their investment strategies with the change of legislation. Um, the, my big question is there's been a number of reviews of our tax system and there's been a number of uh, changes recommended and I think this is a cherry pick of a, few, of a couple of aspects rather than looking at the whole, uh, all, the whole review and all the changes recommended. I have a big issue with the amount of subsidies we, uh, the amount our government pays in subsidies to, um, to mining and to big offshores. And I think if you start looking at the numbers, there is a lot more to be clawed back in those areas than there is in, in terms of um, franking credits. Okay. Um, now, this is a question from Central Queensland. You can guess what it's about. Given your stance that Adani should be stopped, do you have any proposals or vision for, for putting jobs in Central Queensland where they're needed to sort of um, ease, ease that pain? 
I do, because the irony is renewables. Australia has the most natural resources in the world when it comes to renewables because of solar and wind. So what happens with large-scale solar and, and, um, and wind farms is they are generally in regional areas because that is actually where there is the scope. And so they bring a huge amount of boom to the local economies in work, in jobs, in the installation stage, but also the maintenance and flow on to the local economies and businesses. So again, there are more jobs associated with renewables and then the tourism industry, if you maintain and protect your local environment, than there are in mining. So the argument for uh, projects like Adani ones to employment, absolutely false. Okay, now we're nearly out of time, so that's it for the hard questions. I've got two really easy ones to end, end with from, from Twix. The first is, is there a lesson you learned from your sporting career that we could all learn from? Oh, definitely. Uh, <laughs> I think maybe that's why we, we always tend to, um, you know, we follow sport and you, everyone gets motivated by sporting performances. Sport is about having a belief in yourself, in believing what your best potential is and then working hard to achieve it. You can never control the outcome, but you can control your input. You can control how, work, how hard you work, how hard you train, how dedicated you are. I think that's how we should be in life, in everything we do. And our government should have that outlook. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm tired of the negative outlook of we're the, we're the least worst option, so vote for us. Yeah. I want to vote for... I want there to be a plan and people want government to be... Um, it's not about being unrealistically optimistic, but it is, being, it is about being future-focused. You've got to embrace the future and embrace the opportunities. It's not about always a doom and gloom, dread change, hold back, resist any kind of uh, move towards modern technologies and innovation and future opportunities. People are tired of that approach. Okay, last question from a tweet. Which politician, past or present, inspires you? Well, at the moment, I'm inspired by Jacinta Ardern. I think, you know, she's done a phenomenal job. She is a minority government. She is collaborative. And she is being really true to her, uh, to her standards. And she is, she is showing great integrity. Uh, and I think that's really inspiring in, at this time. Thank you so much for talking with me. I know you've got to run and, and good luck, Zali. I think um, much of Australia is, is watching with um, bated breath and cross fingers for you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks.